News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman in association with Air on News Talk. Now we are joined by uh, Roderick O'Gorman, Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration, and uh, Youth. Uh, Minister, uh, the Irish Examiner reporting today that as part of uh, the October's budget, there's going to be a significant cut uh, of childcare costs—a 25% cut and a desk-style uh, scheme introduced. Is that what you're hoping to achieve? Well, obviously, we're bringing forward the summer economic statement today, uh, setting out the broader uh, bu- budgetary parameters for, for later on in, in October. Uh, and obviously, all ministers are, are, are looking to, to, to make progress in their particular departments. Uh, as you know, we were able to secure a significant cut in uh, fees for parents in childcare from the 1st of January this year. Uh, I'll be looking to continue to reduce costs for parents, uh, parents who are using centre-based childcare. But I'd also like to spread that out to parents who are using child minors as well who, who currently don't benefit from the uh, the NCS, the National Child Care Scheme. Uh, and I'm also hoping to provide extra support for uh, children who have a disability uh, to allow them access early years through AIM, the Access and Inclusion Model. So I, I have a number of, of objectives in, in the area of child care. It's, it's a priority for the Green Party. It, it's a priority for the government. Uh, I think it's too early to, I suppose, set out uh, exactly how much we'll be able to secure in my department. You know, we're, we're really just starting into the estimates process right now. But I know the Taoiseach uh, and indeed uh, colleagues across government have voiced strong support for continuing to reduce the cost uh, on parents of childcare. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 25% was the reduction last year. Yeah, it was an average of, of, of 25% uh, for, for parents using uh, centre-based childcare. Now, I know it's, it's all down to negotiation and, and you don't want to be drawn, but is that the target for, is that what you'd like to achieve this year, ideally? Well, you know, I'll, I'll be pushing for, for, for a, a significant cuts for parents that I can get. But I suppose that the, the difference this year is that we're, we're, we're looking to spread out the benefits in terms of particularly looking to include parents who, who, uh, use childminders that they weren't able to benefit from the cuts last year. I'd like them to be able to experience cuts uh, as well because childminders obviously offer a degree of flexibility to, uh, to many parents. They do. Absolutely. Would that mean those child, obviously those childminders would then have have to be registered if for them to get uh, to take advantage it, 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 of it. I presume it would, and and we're uh, working to 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 create a system of uh, of of regulation for childminders. It'll be specific for childminders. We have to recognise that their settings, usually in their family homes, are, are very different from a, a crash or a, or a Montessori. So we're designing specific regulations, recognising that difference, uh, and looking to support childminders to register. And therefore, the parents who use their services will be able to benefit from the National Child Care Scheme, that subsidy. Uh, there's much talk in relation to that summer economic statement that, uh, and the upcoming budget that, you know, Fine Gael are looking for tax cuts. Fianna Fáil are more interested in expenditure increases. Uh, do you, where do you stand in that argument? Are you more uh, expenditure increases rather than tax cuts? Well, look, there, there, there'll be a range of measures advanced in the budget next year, and, and there will be t- some some uh, some changes on the tax side as part of that. That was agreed within our our program for government, particularly in the area of, the, of indexation. I think one of the really positive things about the last three budgets that this government have brought forward is that they've been progressive. That the uh, the people who I suppose need the most have been supported the most by these budgets, and I think that's really positive, particularly uh, when we recognise I suppose the government started 
started during COVID when there were huge pressures on the economy uh, and, and subsequently then into the response to the, the war in Ukraine and the, uh, the, the, the the cost of living crisis that we've seen over, over the last year and a half. But by and large, you know, the government is in uh, a positive position where, where we have full employment and, and where we have a very significant uh, budget surplus that we'll be able to, um, you know, plan for future, uh, I suppose, future downturns in our economy and, and put money away for that. Okay, can I ask you about um, RTE? You're obviously going to be discussing that uh, as, uh, at Cabinet later and um, it, it seems as if an external review is going to be initiated by the government. I'm kind of curious though for, for your take on a broader level. I mean, lots happening in RTE, lots more going to happen. Out of all of that, do you anticipate a much different RTE, um, a much changed RTE coming out of all of what is likely to unfold in the coming months? Well, it, it's certainly been, been my sense out, out and about canvassing in my own constituency over the last two weeks that public confidence in the organisation has been badly shaken. Uh, and what we need to do now uh, between governments and, and across the Oireachtas committees who, who are investigating the, the matter, I think in the short term, we need to get to the, the bottom of, the, of the, the, the various financial transactions and ensure there's, there's, there's proper transparency there. But I think there is a, a wider need for reform uh, of the organisation. And I think that's what Catherine Martin is focused on. The, the review she's undertaking is looking at governance, so looking at that relationship between the the board and, and, and the director general, um, but also looking at the culture of the organisation as well, because I think we've seen the real anger among staff in RTE mm. who feel, you know, that the, 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 the huge work that they do has been badly undermined by the, the actions of a, a small number of people. So I, I, I think this review will, uh, will enable us to, to uh, I suppose, bring forward recommendations in terms of changes to, to legislation or, or, or potential changes to the structure of RTE because its position as an independent public broadcaster is so important uh, but it needs public confidence to be able to exercise that uh, And Minister, does that, would that, in your view does that mean a greater emphasis on the public service broadcasting element of RT? Is that something that you would like to see greater focus on perhaps structural changes that would involve maybe focusing on public service broadcasting? Well, as you say, Shane, that has to be the focus. That has to be at the core of uh, of, of, of what Orsi does. Uh, and, you know, it, it has done a great job on that o- over the years. And, and I think it's important we don't forget that, uh, notwithstanding the very legitimate anger that's out there right now. We can't forget what RTE has done over decades. But I think it is important now that we uh, undertake this review uh, and we're able to take measures that will act to restore the public confidence in the organisation. Okay, um, can I ask you uh, about another area that uh, obviously um, is in your bailiwick, uh, the idea of uh, this issue of um, refugees, asylum seekers coming here. Uh, RTE reporting uh, this morning that the uh, the Cabinet will be told uh, there has been a 70% fall in the number of international protection applicants arriving in Ireland. Has the crisis slightly uh, abated? Are we, are we in, in a better position to cope with the number of refugees and asylum seekers coming here? 
I, I think we're, we're, we're still under, within my department's significant pressure in, in order to, to find accommodation for, for both international protection applicants and for, for Ukrainians, uh, kind of l- looking out over the next number of months. I, I think across the summer period, um, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. We're, we're able to use some student accommodation over the summer months, which gives us a kind of a buffer uh, in, in terms of being able to accommodate people. But I think going into kind of September and into the autumn, the, the that the pressure will remain. I, I think Minister McEntee uh, and I uh, and, and Minister Harris, while he was in the role, have always kept in close contact in terms of um, it, looking at the international protection system and looking if we need to be able to to bring about any any, altera- any alterations, any tweaks. International protection is really important for people who are fleeing conflict, fleeing war, fleeing per, uh, uh, persecution. And we have made changes over the last year and a half to ensure that uh, it, it is it is designed for, for 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 people who meet those criteria. There are some people who will apply for for international protection who don't meet those criteria. And I think one of the changes that Minister McEntee has brought forward is to actually speed up the processing of international protection applicants. And, and we know from the past that was a major issue that people were spending you know five, six, seven, eight years in the process awaiting their outcome. And by putting more staff and putting better systems in place. Minister McEntee has been able to very significantly reduce the time period within which someone can get an initial decision on whether they get okay. status here or not. And I think that's making a big difference. Okay, um, just before we let you go, Minister, um, a couple of weeks ago we um, spoke to uh, Dr. Paul Morn from the National Gender Services um, in relation to your proposed conversion therapy ban uh, legislation. Just have a listen to what he had to, had to say on the programme. The first thing to say is that there's been an explosion of young people with gender issues in Ireland and around the world. Young people with problems with their bodies or fitting in with, you know, as boys and girls. And this is connected also with mental health problems, relationship problems, and problems with social functioning. What these people need is these problems to be explored and addressed in a very careful therapeutic way to best resolve them. However, there are pressure groups that are against this, and they're pushing for medical treatment without any assessment or any therapy. So this law is addressing a problem that doesn't exist, but it could empower these activists to undermine and attack the therapists who are trying to help these young people. Okay, yeah, Paul Moran uh, speaking there. Now, this is somebody who works, who helps people in in this area. Uh, He's expressing concern about the legislation, no doubt well-meaning legislation that you're bringing in. He's saying it could have a a really chilling effect on the work that he does. He said it could lead people, experts in this area, exiting the service because of fears that they may be wrongly accused of engaging in conversion therapy simply for trying to help people talk through issues. Well, let me be very clear, that won't be what this legislation will do. This legislation is designed to deal with situations where somebody seeks to eliminate or to suppress another person's sexual orientation uh, or their gender identity. Uh, And I disagree with one thing that Dr. Moran said when he says that this is designed to deal with a problem that doesn't exist. It does exist. Um, uh, um, Conversion practices do take place in Ireland. Uh, They're rare, and that's a good thing but they shouldn't take place at all because conversion practices have a, a, a real capacity to do harm to individuals, harm yeah. to their yeah. mental it, health. 
Because he, 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 he did say you set up a group um, uh, searching for evidence. He said uh, that, uh, that you actually found that, that group found no evidence of conversion therapy. No, that's 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 not the case. Uh, I've uh, the, the group uh, interviewed people who had undergone conversion therapy. I've met people who, who've undergone conversion practices. I've heard directly from them in terms of the impact that it's had on them, on their mental health, on uh, their sense of being, being forced back into the, into the closet. Uh, so these situations do, does require a legislative response. But I, I want to be very clear that the care that an individual gets uh, and the engagement an individual has with maybe a, with, with a therapist, with a professional, whether it's in the context of questions about their gender, whether it's a question uh, about their sexual orientation, those engagements, those conversations are not covered by this legislation. This legislation will be designed solely to target individuals who are seeking to suppress or seeking to eliminate another person's gender identity or, or their sexual orientation. Okay, we will leave it there. Rodrigo Gorman, Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.